0: So today's Sunday. Tomorrow is, who's looking forward to Monday? Who says, thank God it's Monday? Anyone who's retired, okay? Yeah. Let me tell you a secret. My parents were both school teachers and worked really hard at it. And uh, my dad went to school for 16 summers in a row so he could get a degree and upgrade himself. So he did hardly took a day off during the year. And then once he would, did that, he started, he started a summer camp and worked, worked with kids for free in his vacation. Go figure. That explains some of the family genes, I guess. But one of the things they would look forward to once they retired, on the first day of school, all the retired teachers would go and hang out for breakfast and go to their colleagues' boo boo you know, But I'm wondering how many of us are looking forward to Monday going back to work? It's okay, you don't have to wave your hands or grimace too much. But it's just something to think about. This morning, uh, we want to talk a little bit about what we spend a lot of our time doing. Work is a four letter word. Now, whether you get paid for it or not, we're all working. Uh, one of my pet peeves is uh, you don't see it as much anymore with, with both partners working outside of the home. But typically what would happen, you know, a few decades ago, uh, you'd say to uh, a mom, oh, are you a working mom? It's like, is there any other kind of mother other than a working mother? But whatever we do, whether it's paid or not, we do work, right? We can't avoid it. And uh, some people deal with it in different ways. Um, I'm not a super country western fan, but I love some of the songs that come out, especially about work. These are the old classic chain gang. And, and if you, I don't know, you should really Google that and YouTube it. It's just this, uh, it's such an emphatic, um, grunting thing to to work to, Uh, fellas, crank it up as you do your vacuuming around the house or something. It'll be be very popular, and it's very soothing. Uh, Dolly Parton came out with, uh, there was actually kind of a cute movie called Nine to Five that talked about female office workers and the kind of grind that they face. Johnny Paycheck wrote a song called Take This Job and Shove It. (laughs) I'm glad he didn't say where, but anyway, he said that was his attitude towards his work. But my favorite country song about work um, is someone I, I, if you've ever lived with anyone in their 20s, uh, you can realize this. My crazy day job is messing up my nightlife. That is my favorite country song about work. So we all have different attitudes towards work. But God approves of work. God created work in the first place. And in Genesis chapter 1, when God was making human beings, He said this. God said, Let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Trinity, let us make human beings in our image. It's not a typo. It's a reference to the Trinity. To be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, wild animals on the earth, and the little animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And he told them this. He blessed them and said, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So right off the bat, as soon as God made human beings, he said, Okay, you guys are in charge of the planet. You are responsible, you are stewards. Manage it well. It was a delegation of of authority. He did not say cut down all the trees. He didn't say pollute all the water in the air. He said take care of it, manage it, be a good steward. He didn't say anything about taking all of the fish out of the oceans or depleting or making species go extinct. One of my saddest experiences in my first year in Manitoba, I went to Fort White for a conference one day, and we looked at this herd of bison, about 20 of them. And I don't know why, this deep sadness came over me. I'm thinking, there used to be millions of these beautiful creatures roaming across the prairies, and they were almost wiped out until a few bright people in the late 1800s saying, we got to save these bison or else there won't be any left. But God has given us the work, he has assigned us the work of managing the planet well. So work comes from God. And it's a good thing. It started off well, didn't it? Genesis started off well. And unfortunately, by the time we get to Genesis chapter 3, things take a dramatic turn for the worst. And there is what theologians call the fall. Adam and Eve sin, they blow it. And one of the consequences of of man trying to be independent from God is that our work, which is designed as a good thing, turns into toil. And we just scrape by. So this good thing that God had intended us to do becomes this kind of double-edged sword. Yes, we work for a living, but... It can be time-consuming and worrying and drag us down. This morning, I want to talk about God's perspective on work and what, how He wants us to have our His perspective on what we do, how we can offer it uh, as worship to Him. With God, when He told us to be stewards of the earth and manage the planet well, there's no division between sacred and secular. That's not in the Bible this division between sacred and secular, that's Greek thought. Everything is holy to God. Everything is special. Okay? So that means that uh, in God's name, you can bring glory to God whether you're changing a poopy diaper, yes, or you're coding software, or you're digging ditches, or you're closing a sale. You can do all of those things to God's glory. Our work is another way of offering our worship and who we are to God. There's a lot of students here. Did you know that you can study to the glory of God? You can. You devote yourself and you learn about stuff and you can do it as a gift to God, as a way of showing, just reflecting back that love that he's shown us. It's a way of bringing glory to him. And as I was saying, work became toil because of the fall, because men messed things up. But God wants to redeem our work. He wants to bring good things out of it. So that's why the Apostle Paul, when he was saying, writing in Ephesians, he put this in about work. You remember, skip back a few weeks, and we talked about um, being filled. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Every Christian, anyone who self-identifies as following Jesus, we ask the Spirit of Jesus to keep on filling us. It's a command. Let the Holy Spirit keep on filling you, God's presence, okay? One of the implications of that, uh, our marriages will be different. Hopefully they will be different as, as husbands and wives that love each other the way God designed them. And next week, we're going to talk about uh, parenting and family relationships. This week, we're going to talk about work. Now, just just a note before I begin reading the passage from Ephesians. Paul here talks about slaves and masters. I hope you're not in a working situation that makes you feel literally like a slave. There are over 20 million slaves on planet Earth today we have not eradicated slavery. And that's not good news. But I'm hoping in this group of people and in this country, people are not experiencing slavery like they did in the first century when Paul wrote this. Slavery was very different. People could literally be owned and the whole economy back then was built on slave labor. Now that changed And the roots of what we call emancipation or freedom from slavery are actually contained in the New Testament. And you'll see why. What Paul is saying for the original reader was such a radical idea, it would have blown them up. They would have been, as my English friends say, absolutely gobsmacked when they read this. But here is our attitude to our work relationships that Jesus wants us to apply Here's how it goes. Slaves, or employees, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Don't be a clock watcher. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm, as though you were working for the Lord, rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. So when we look at the difference between a Christian employee and a Christian employer what they should look like what Paul is saying is that our relationships should be transformational they should be radically different from those people around us radically different because of what Jesus has started to do and will continue to do in our lives and it will affect our life not just on Sunday it's great to get together on Sunday right i hope You're all here, so that says something. I'm glad. But it should make a difference in our lives Monday to Saturday. And many of us will spend the majority of our waking hours working somewhere to earn a living, paid or not. And so we have to deal with how does God integrate into my working life and into my working relationships. And that's what Paul is trying to encourage us here with. So if you're an employee, if you're a Christian employee, respect your employer just as you would for Jesus. Imagine, wow, wouldn't you like to have Jesus for your boss? Maybe, maybe not. Because he knows everything. Oh, that might be awkward. But imagine that you're doing a job you don't like very much and all of a sudden, you realize, well, maybe I could do this job for God. How would that change your attitude? As a summer student, um, I had a variety of jobs. And probably the one of the worst jobs I ever had was working in a stone quarry. Is anyone here familiar with the cartoon show, The Flintstones? Anybody? You may be of a certain era, okay? Fred... Flintstone and his friend Barney Rubble worked in a stone quarry. If you don't know what I'm talking about, YouTube it, okay, it's awesome. Anyway, you'll explain you'll understand it much much better. So I went to work in this stone quarry and it was a it was a tough job and it was a really tough economy. What really bothered me is that the summer before I literally made more than twice as much money an hour. At a relatively cushy, interesting job but the economy was bad it was the only job I could find Um, I almost told you what it was making but anyway it wasn't very much and my job for the summer pretty much was putting rocks in a box that's what I did big pile of rocks and you would sort them by their width and they would go into a box and they'd be used to um, put the um, the front facade on Kentucky Fried Chicken franchises all over Canada So on the bright side, my work was seen all over Canada. It's pretty amazing. Not many of you can say that. Putting rocks in a box. What saved my bacon and my sanity that summer is one of my co-workers. His name was also Rick. Really neat guy. He was... um, one of the he was a bright guy. He was a thinker. He lay, later became a Pentecostal pastor. He had so much good influence on me. But he was Mr. Positivity almost. Think that he had been I don't know, inhaling something before he came to work. He was just positive guy. He was just bright and positive. And he was a bright spot in that grim summer. And we had some great conversations, got to be good friends. But he was just positive. And there he was working in the stone quarry, cutting the rocks, and I was putting them in the box. But he was Mr. Positivity. There was another fellow, his name I can't remember, had been working in the same place. He'd been working there for 12 years. And this job was grinding him down. Every lunchtime he talked about, I'm going to get another job. But he was back there every Monday. Uh. And it was, I felt bad for him. I didn't know how to encourage him. I said, so, how's the job hunt going? I stopped saying that after a while because he really wasn't looking for work. He was just complaining about the work that he had. But it really brought him down. So one day I had this kind of eureka moment, this revelation. I'm putting rocks in a box and I'm thinking about my friend Rick with a positive attitude and I thought, I wonder if I could do this job for God's glory. As if God was watching me and wanted me to have a good attitude about my job. I still had to put rocks in a box. That did not change. But my attitude changed. Now, I didn't start singing and dancing and putting rocks in a box. I didn't. I still did it. But it changed my attitude tremendously. And even though we'd still rip out of the parking lot on a Friday afternoon yelling, yabba-dabba-doo, out the window, and we secretly called our boss, Mr. Slate, behind his back, It changed my attitude. It began to build a better attitude toward my work. I passionately believe that whatever we do for a living, however we earn our daily bread, we can do it as an offering to God. We can. If God helps us with our attitude. So, as an employee, we're called to respect our employer just as we would Jesus. We're called to work with integrity just as we would for Jesus, right? And remember who you're really working for. It's important to remember who signs a check, who signs off in getting you paid. Yes, that's who you're responsible to. But ultimately, at the end of life, at the end of time, we're all going to answer to God. That's our evaluation, right? That's who we work for. Now, if the shoe is on the other foot, Maybe you're an employer. Maybe you're someone who's responsible for supervising people or you have a business or however that looks, or maybe you're teaching a class, whatever, if you have responsibility over other people. The Bible says respect your employees. Don't push them around. Don't be... Paul never used the word jerk in Greek, but that's basically what he's saying. Don't be a jerk in the way you treat people. Treat them with respect, especially if you're supervising other people. Lead with integrity. Don't bully people. Don't intimidate them. But lead with integrity just as you would for Jesus. And remember, ultimately, who you're working for. Paul gives this warning to masters. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Now, this is why it was radical back in the first century. Because masters owned slaves. They owned human beings. They didn't have rights, right? There was no museum for civil, you know, for human rights. There was no thought of that. Was, you were a thing. You were a tool, a living tool, but you're still a tool. But Paul says, treat your s- slaves in the same way. Respect them. Care for them. Don't bully them or threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. Ooh, With God, there is no 1% and no 99%, all right? He has no favorites. We're ultimately responsible to him for what we do. Now, if we work with the right attitude, if God blesses us, I think we'll experience what the writer of Ecclesiastes writes about. I love Ecclesiastes. It can be a little bit of a dark book, so don't read it in February if you're feeling down. But there's some real nuggets of wisdom in there and some very realistic sayings about life. And this is what it says about work. Even so, I have noticed one thing, one thing at least that is good. It's good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. It's a good thing to receive wealth from God. Everything we receive comes from God. Did you realize that? If you're a Christian, there's no self-made men or women here. We receive everything from God's hand. So it's a good thing to receive wealth from from God and the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life This is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life, they have no time to brood over the past. It's really sad when you encounter people who have money and health, and all they do is sort of gripe about stuff in the past that they haven't been able to overcome, or for whatever reason, they're stuck in the past. That's really sad. It's really sad. And the the author of Ecclesiastes is saying, you know what? Contentment is a gift from God. Now, it's interesting that Paul writes to slaves in the New Testament and said, hey, if you've got a chance to win your freedom, go for it. You don't have to stay stuck. God is all about helping us improve our situation in life. But be content. Be content. Don't worry about status, things, other stuff, because they're temporary, and you certainly can't take it with you. But finding contentment in our work, offering it as a gift to God, can so change our attitude. Imagine if you're dealing with a client, especially a difficult one, and you deal with them graciously, with boundaries, and you try to serve them. Then you can sign off and say, well, Lord, how did I do? Or if you're cutting a lawn, and you get all the trimmings up, and you make it nice and neat, and think, I know next week I'll be back to cut that grass, but today it looks good. Can you clean a toilet to the glory of God? Of course you can. Make that sucker shine, you know? You can it changes our attitude and it makes us partners with God, right? In taking care of the planet. My desire for us is that we see our lives as integrated as a, a means of serving God, not just earning a living and providing for our families. Those, all those things are important. But life is not about us. It's about, it's about serving God through what we do. And there's no hierarchy in God's kingdom. Some people think that pastors and missionaries are on the top of the pyramid, and everybody else is that. It that's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Oh, I could serve more God more if I could do this. Well, if God tells you to do something different, do it. But just in the meantime, serve God where you are. Now, has somebody got uh, a newsletter from this week? From this month. Who's got one? Thanks, Lewin. Can I borrow it? There is a brilliant quote in here that I wish I had thought of, but uh, Rachel put it in because she's smarter than I am. And anyway, I just want to read it off the front page. It's, it's another quote from Martin Luther, our friend Martin. He says, The Christian shoemaker does his duty... Not by putting little crosses on the shoes, (laughs) but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. Do you get it? Whether or not you put little crosses on your shoes, I guess it depends on who you're marketing your shoes to, but God is interested in good craftsmanship. That's how we glorify Him. That's, That's how we serve Him. All right? Let's pray. We really need to pray for our work. Some of our folks, some of us are underemployed. Some of us are unemployed. And maybe a few of us are feeling overemployed right now with our responsibilities at work. But let's ask God to graciously bless the work of our hands. Okay? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for giving us the ability to work. We want to serve you and bless you. We want to have the right attitude. Lord, remind us who we are really working for. We're really working for you. As we do that, help us to respect other people and to live lives of integrity. Lord, again, there are so many of us that are challenged and looking for work. I pray that you would provide the right job at the right time and give us the ability to earn our living and to be generous. Thank you that everything we have comes out of your hand. We're totally dependent on you. Help us to serve you through our work and our vocation. Some of us may be fig- trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life? What is my vocation? What are you calling me into? Lord, give us ears to hear. We are so looking forward to anticipate, as we anticipate how you're going to answer these prayers. We love you in our work because you loved us first. We offer ourselves to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.